Welcome to another episode of the Proverbial Life Bible Study Morning Edition. Let's get it. Welcome to the Proverbial Life Podcast. This is a podcast that encourages Christians to look to Christ, live wisely, and leave a legacy behind for generations to follow. I'm your host, Edwin Ramirez. Look to Christ, What's going on, everyone? What's going on? What's going on? Welcome to another episode of the Proverbial Life Podcast. And it's early. It's early. I woke up this morning and I said, man, let's press record. So here we are. I did that. Now, hopefully you can hear me because I can't hear myself. So when people come on in, you let me know if you can hear me. It looks like I'm being heard but I'm not certain that I'm being heard. So I'm going to just keep speaking until someone responds. And hopefully I know sooner than later whether or not I'm being heard. Ah, I can be heard. What's up, my brother? Good morning. Good morning, man. So good to see you, bro. Hope you and the wife are doing well. Uh, We definitely got to catch up. Uh, Man, praise God for a new day. This morning, we're going to have a Bible study. And we're going to, Lord willing, have a couple Bible studies um, through the book of Ecclesiastes. Now, why Ecclesiastes? As you can see in the thumbnail, um, I have the thumbnail that says, all is vanity. Well, I think it's important for us to go through the book of Ecclesiastes. One, because it's in the scriptures. It's inspired by God. Uh, Two, I think there's a lot of people who have a position or an idea or a presupposition about the book of Ecclesiastes, and they haven't really gotten into the meat of Ecclesiastes. So they assume that Ecclesiastes is just outright negative, and that's the kind of book I want to stay away from. Now, I could be wrong, but that was where I was at. Uh, I really struggled with the book of Ecclesiastes. I struggled with it because it was obscure. Um, It just seemed really depressing. Uh, In fact, I've gotten into several conversations with people recently uh, over the past couple months, and I asked him, what are your thoughts on the book of Ecclesiastes? And I'll say, man, that book is depressing. That book is um, really hard to read, and et cetera, et cetera. And I thought the same thing until I started preaching through the book. Um, this January, I started a sermon series on the book of Ecclesiastes. And I, I started it because I wanted to, one, really just start somewhere that I wasn't used to starting. I I wasn't used to the book of Ecclesiastes. Uh, Like I said, I had a position on it, but I'd never really dug into it for myself. And so I wanted to to be challenged and to to wrestle uh, with a book that I had not dealt with before. Uh, Secondly, I know that uh, we, we, we tend to see our surroundings and we tend to gauge what we're going through as a people, as a nation, as a country, et cetera, et cetera, and, 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 and look at it from our disposition and then use some kind of um, historical um, evidence to support our, uh, um, our feelings oftentimes, right, or, or what we perceive things to be. So what do I mean by that? Well, things are really bad right now. I mean, things are really bad. They're so bad that this is as bad as things has ever been. And the truth of the matter is, yeah, things are bad, but they aren't as bad as they've been. 
uh, and uh, and we're called to to to, um, to to look at the times that we're living in in light of God's word. In other words, we let God's word interpret the end, not our current circumstances or situations. So um, I wanted to go through the book of Ecclesiastes for those per for those reasons, really. One, I wanted it to challenge me and I wanted it. I wanted to overcome my fear of wrestling with a book that I was not used to. And then two, I wanted to give our people hope in light of um, the, the, the faith they have in Christ. How should they live in this world that is fallen? Right. Uh, and Solomon deals with these issues. Another thing that Solomon does uh, which I just tip a cap. I do believe Solomon is the author of the book. Um, we can talk about that here in a minute. But um, I think I think it's very easy for us um, to see things from our subjective perspective and not God's objective word. Uh, but the other thing that I really appreciate about Solomon is that Solomon keeps it a buck. In other words, Solomon keeps it real. Solomon isn't saying, hey, things will be okay. God's going to work it out. Solomon says, under the sun, this world is broken. And, and that's what we need to hear, right? We don't need to hear optimism that um, overlooks or denies the reality of pain and suffering under the sun. And yet, pain and suffering don't have the last word. Christ does in light of his resurrection. So all that being said, let's get right into it. I really wish I could hear myself, but I can't. And that's okay because it is what it is. But let me poke around here for a minute. Um, all right. So let's just get right into it. We're going to get into the book of Ecclesiastes. I'm going to read this morning verses one through three. I do have some notes here. Um, but what I can do as well, for those of you who are interested, on my page, I recorded the sermon that I preached at my church and I put it on my uh, YouTube channel. So what I'll do is I will get that link and I'll post it in the description below. So if you want to follow me, you are more than welcome to do so. Um, and we'll go from there. But we're going to just do a overview Bible study on the book of Ecclesiastes. And this morning, we're going to start with verses one through three. I titled this sermon originally, All is Vanity. So let's read Ecclesiastes chapter one. Verses one through three, and then we will go from there. And if you have any comments or any thoughts, please feel free to leave those below. By the way, if you like what you're hearing so far and you want to hear more, please consider subscribing to the channel. You can do so by clicking that little subscribe button on the bottom. You can also click that uh, notification bell, and that'll notify you every time I make a video. And if you would like, you can also support the ministry by contributing on Patreon or the other uh, cash opportunities in the description below, Cash App, PayPal, Venmo, et cetera, et cetera. But one of the ways that you can help is by giving this video a like. And as always, we need the support and prayers of the saints. So, all right, all of that out of the way, Ecclesiastes chapter one, verses one through three. I'm reading from the ESV translation. And the word of God reads as followed. The words of the preacher, the son of David, king in Jerusalem. Vanity of vanities, says the preacher. Vanity of vanities. All is vanity. What does man gain by all the toil at which he toils under the sun? All right. 
So, pretty bleak. Solomon's coming out straight up. Vanity of vanities. All is vanity. Um, so, a couple things we want to notice as we read the text. Um, verse 1, the words of the preacher. This is a preacher. Solomon is a preacher. Or let's just go here. Whoever wrote the book of Ecclesiastes, we know, was a preacher. And when you take Ecclesiastes and you take the other um, poetry uh, writings, so, for example, you have the Psalms, you have, um, you have the, uh, the Song of Solomon, you have Ecclesiastes, you have Proverbs. You take this poetic genre, this poetic um, literature. There's something you'll notice. Um, for example, in the book of Proverbs, uh, wisdom cries out in the streets, right? She's crying out, but the fool don't, doesn't listen. He, he, he keeps doing his thing, right? And, and similarly, we have the preacher here, and he, he's preaching. He's, he's crying out. He's, he's the pundit, as it were. He's the wise man. He's the, the thinker. He's, the, he's the, the, the philosopher. He's the one who has contemplated the, the, the depth of life, the wisdom, um, uh, wisdom from life. He has gleaned wisdom from life. And he's, he's communicating it to his hearers, right? And so these are the words of the preacher. Um, this is the one who, who is the collector, as it were. And this is really where we get our word uh, here is quileth. Uh, I believe I'm saying that correctly. If not, um, please forgive me. But quileth, um, some people think that quileth is the one who wrote the book of Ecclesiastes. Uh, others think that um, Solomon wrote the book of Ecclesiastes. Others say that uh, it was uh, someone else who just collected some of the words of Solomon and just maybe some wise sayings that people have said concerning life under the sun. All that's good and fine, wherever you land. However, and who wrote it? Um, now, you know, I'm not going to, we're not going to fight about it, but I think, I think the next phrase really gives us a tip on that. The son of David. This, these are the words of the preacher, the son of David. Now, okay, granted, he doesn't say, okay, the son of David, my name is Solomon. Okay, where in the, in the book of Proverbs, um, we do have, um, let me turn there very quickly, in the book of Proverbs, first chapter. Uh, hold on a second. Proverbs chapter one. Um, said the Proverbs of Solomon. Son of David, King of Israel. Okay, so so why doesn't Solomon say that in the book of Ecclesiastes? Well, I don't objectively know why. Um, so so take that for what you will. But I think it is important to to consider some timeline here. Um, it has been believed that the Song of Solomon was written by Solomon early in his life, um, in his in his youth. Um, the book of Proverbs was written in the middle of his life and the book of Ecclesiastes was written at the toward the end of his life in his older age. Um, and why is that significant? Well, he's he's writing this book to reflect back on the days when he was drifting from God or when he had drifted from God. Um, Solomon, I remember people saying, is, is Solomon going to be in heaven? I don't know. So Solomon it's going to be in heaven. <laughs> All right. This, this book is an evidence is not evidence that Solomon is not going to be in heaven. Solomon was a believer 
in the one to come. He was a believer in the Christ. Um, you know, so 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 yes, Solomon was a believer, but but this was a time in Solomon's life. Um, the book of Ecclesiastes is him reflecting back on the time in which he um drifted away from God. So the words of the preacher, this this man is proclaiming, he's preaching, he's 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 um he's he's telling, uh, he's collecting, uh, he's 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 uh proclaiming, right? Okay. The son of David, king in Jerusalem. So this was a man who had authority. This was a man um, who was set aside or set apart for God. Uh, he was king in Jerusalem. Okay. Now, let me look at some of my notes here because I did make some comments um, along the way. Um, I have here my notes that St. Augustine was right when he stated the following. You have made us for yourself, O Lord, and our hearts are our, our hearts are restless until they rest in you. And I think that this is the sentiment of what Solomon is getting at, particularly here in the beginning, where he says, "Vanity of vanities, all is vanity." There's this inward um, cry, this inward yell, this inward scream of humanity that cries out toward God, right? Because they are created beings. We are created beings. Um, and we are restless until we find rest in our maker, until we find rest in our creator. So this is a true sentiment. Now, as Solomon gets into these vanities, the idea is that apart from God, all is vanity. Apart from God, all is vanity. And this is important for us to remember because as believers now, this gives us a sense of gratitude that we actually are friends with God, that, that we know God and God knows us in Christ. And this should cause us to rejoice. This should cause us to, to, to sing shouts of hallelujah praise every morning because in spite of how you're feeling, in spite of how bleak things look, God is for you and not against you in Christ. And brothers and sisters, that is enough to rejoice in. That is enough to be excited about. That is enough to stand for truth about and fight for and die for because Christ is on our side. Now, apart from him, all is vanity. Why do anything if there is no God? Why do anything if Christ did not rise from the grave? Why breathe? Why wake up? Why think? Why uh, uh, believe anything to be true if God does not exist? Well, the reality is that life without God is vanity. And this is why the preacher shouts it several times. Notice verse 2. Vanity of vanities, says the preacher. Vanity of vanities. All is vanity. In one verse. He says vanity or vanities a collection of five times. Now, this is a Hebraic way of just emphasizing something, right? Vanity of vanities, says the preacher. Vanity of vanities. All is vanity. You see that? It's vanity. Without God, life is vanity. Now, what's the word vanity mean? It means uh, worthless, pointless, right? It's, it's like a, a breath. It's, it's here today, gone tomorrow. What is your life worth? 
what is it? What what is its value if there is no God? What is it? Well, it's vanity. It's worthless. Right? How how can any of us do anything apart from Him? We can't. And yet Solomon says that he did his best to live a life in pursuit of everything outside of God. And the thing is this, as he did that, he kept reminding himself or circumstances and events and life reminded him that even that was vanity. And that's really what he goes through. And he goes through each section, searching for wisdom without God, vanity, self searching for pleasure and, and, um, the, the, the pursuit of uh, self-indulgence or the pleasure of finances and women and sex and drugs and drinks and comedy and all these things, vanity, vanity, vanity. It really just combs through every area of life, right? And again, this is the wisest man ever to live apart from Christ. Um, this is uh, a man uh, who, 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 uh, who, who was intellectually a stout uh, above uh, uh, many uh, of us in our day. And, and he could accurately and clearly see all that is before him objectively. And he could see, and, and he had the financial resources to explore all avenues of life to, to truly taste and see whether or not the world and the things of it were sweet. And we know what the New Testament tells us. Love not the world, neither the things of the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. All that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, passeth away. That's that King James. Passeth away. You see? And Solomon came to realize that. He came to see that all the pursues, the pursuits and pleasures apart from Christ passeth away. They don't bring fulfillment. They don't bring joy. They don't bring satisfaction. They bring death. Book of Proverbs itself, it says, those who hate me love death. Death. So when we look at this opening section of Ecclesiastes, Solomon really hits it. He brings it home. And he wants to tell his readers and remind his readers that apart from God, all is vanity. Uh, Solomon, um, as I mentioned, is the author. Um, and he wrote this book toward the latter end of his life. And he gives us the purpose of the book, as I mentioned. The purpose of the book I wrote down here is to show his readers that a life without God is a life filled with vanity. Moreover, all the pursuits in life apart without God at the center only lead to emptiness. So a life in pursuit of pleasure and happiness and joy and satisfaction apart from God will always lead to emptiness. Apart from God, man can never find true enjoyment in life no matter what road he chooses to go down. doesn't matter what pursuit you want to go down. You want to go down the route of higher learning and really making a name for yourself in the area of education? Go at it. You can get the most degrees you want. You can get the best education money can buy. And in the end, you will find out that apart from God in Christ, even that is vanity. You will not be content. You will not be satisfied. You want to go down the route of 
uh, entertainment and pleasure and overindulgence, go at it. In the end, you can go to all the shows you want and have the best alcoholic beverage and the finest women and the greatest parties and the best music. In the end, you will be left bankrupt. You will be left unsatisfied apart from God. As the Westminster Confession says, man's chief end is to glorify God and to enjoy him forever. You see, this is the thing. If you are pursuing the world and all the things of the world with the denial of God, right, with the denial of God, with the denial of Christ. Now, let me just say this. You don't have God unless you have Christ, okay? Um, we, we see this in the book of First John. Um, you, you know, you, you, you have, you, you must have the son in order to have the father. Okay. So, so, so I'm speaking in, um, Ecclesiastes language. Okay. Solomon is saying, if you don't have God, then you don't have peace. Okay. Now in the new Testament, we see Christ is our peace, right? By way of reconciliation, he's the one who's the mediator between man and God. And so Jesus Christ wins our peace by his sacrificial life on our behalf. And because of Christ, we have peace with God. So if you want peace with God, you can't pursue peace with God without the mediator, without someone to atone for your sin, without the one to absorb the wrath of God that you rightly deserve. And so Christ is our peace, right? Christ is the means by which we can have fellowship with God. Without Christ, no peace. Without Christ, no reconciliation. So our chief end, the, the very reason why God created us, was to bring glory to him and to enjoy him. So Solomon isn't saying you can't enjoy life. That's not the point of this book. Solomon is saying you can't enjoy life apart from God in Christ. Now, again, he doesn't say Christ. But we're whole Bible Christians. Amen. Come on. Come on, somebody. We're whole Bible Christians. And so we take the whole of Scripture and we see what God is getting at. So uh, Solomon here is reminding his readers, if you want to have peace with God, if you want to glorify God and you want to enjoy him forever, you must have peace with him through Christ. So um, in the book of Ecclesiastes, Solomon's goal is not to encourage his readers to pursue a life apart from God. Instead, his aim was to discourage the pursuits of life apart from God. So Solomon's saying, don't do it. Trust me. Been there. Done that. You're trying to find peace and satisfaction, etc., apart from God. It doesn't work. I did it already. Now, this is the thing. People do not want to hear the preacher. Come on. People don't want to hear the preacher. The preacher's preaching and people out there drifting away. They're not paying attention. The preacher's on the corner preaching, shouting, and he's speaking facts. He ain't just shouting to be shouting. He's calling the truth, the truth. He's saying, repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. Look to Christ. Believe on him. He's the only one that can make you right with God. And people just mosey on by. This fool, he don't know what he's talking about. He's crazy. And so the preacher is preaching, and people are walking by. They're not listening. They're not paying attention to the words of the preacher. He says this in closing the book of Ecclesiastes. 
and we're going to get to all this, but he closes and he says, the end of the matter is this. This is all. This is it right here. Ecclesiastes 12, 12 through 14. The end of the matter, all has been heard. And this is it. Ready? Fear God and keep his commandments. For this is the whole duty of man. Here we go. For God will bring every deed into judgment with every secret thing, whether good or evil. You see? Fear God and obey his word. That's the whole duty of man. That's why you were created. Even, even the person who does not believe in God, every single person was created to bring glory to God. So you better fear God. And upon fearing him, you better keep his commandments. Oh, you're not going to? Okay, well, one day, you're going to give an account before him and the good and the bad that you did will be judged by him. Now, the good or the bad cannot justify you. Okay. The good and the bad cannot justify you. And so you need to be saved by the goodness or the righteousness of the good one, Jesus Christ, with whom there was no evil. So what do we learn from this? Well, happiness apart from God is fleeting. It's circumstantial. It's vanity. And the preacher says it, vanity of vanities, vanity of vanities. All is vanity. What does man gain by all his toil at which he toils under the sun? Now, this is another word that we have to uh, briefly mention. A uh, couple things here. What does man gain? Okay. Again, this is poetic literature. What is what? What does mankind gain? Gain has to do with uh, working, with with striving, with uh, achieving, with um, you know, to 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 be satisfied with, right? Um, and so so there's a play here, right? So what does man gain by all his toil? Gain and toil. These are similar ideas, right? Uh, in all his toiling, what is he toiling for? Or what is he gaining? Well, uh, he, he, he gains uh, nothing apart from God. Um, so he, he's asking this question so that, so that you would think about it, that you would contemplate. What, what really do you gain by all your toil in which you toil under the sun? Now, this is a phrase uh, under the sun that Solomon uses several times. I mean, I have them boxed off in my Bible, but um, I don't have the, the number um, in each section here. But, I mean, you just go to the book, under the sun, under the sun, under the sun. And the reason he does that is to remind his readers that he's speaking about life here on earth. See, what we really need is a life that transcends under the sun. Now, he's not saying, well, um, you know, now that you're in Christ— uh, and, and you live life under the sun. Uh, don't really live life under the sun because it's fallen and evil. You should really live your life above the sun. Well, this is the thing. As Christians, we are on earth and we are, as it were, seated in the heavenly places, right? And, and we're, we're joint heirs with Christ. Um, and so, so we are here on earth as we live the Christian life in light of Christ's resurrection. So, so we are, as some have said, dual citizens. 
Um, so Solomon says to the man who seeks to live his life apart from God, what is the gain? What is the end? What is the what is the fulfillment or satisfaction um, that you have gained by all your toil? And he uses this word toil twice in verse three. Um, he uses the word gain. What does man? So man is his primary subject, not animals. Okay, man is the crown of God's creation. So he's dealing with his covenant breakers. Man is the covenant breaker, right? So so what? Uh, God God is the one who established the covenant with Adam, and so in Adam all are fallen. So he's dealing with the seed of Adam. He's dealing with the seed of man. And so he says, what does man gain by all the toil? Now, Christ would come to be a man, right? the, the God-man. And, and he comes to bring restoration uh, to the broken covenant. And he does that by living a perfect life. And how does he do it? By his works, right? He, he perfectly satisfies the demands of God's holy and righteous commands. You see, he, he works to do his father's will, and he completes all the works that the father had given him to do. And he does this on behalf of man who has broken the covenant. Right? He, he, he cannot do anything to make himself right with God because God requires perfection. God requires perfection, and man cannot in himself attain to that end. And so what does man gain by all his toil? Well, frankly, man gains nothing but more condemnation. See, all the toil that man does under the sun apart from God only heaps up more judgment in the life to come. Why? Because God gave that man the ability to do and to think and to act. And he spurns the righteous one. He rejects the work of Christ on his behalf. And so as such, he incurs the judgment that is rightly due to those who spurn the work of Christ. So what does man gain by all his toil? Nothing. But he's toiling and he toils and he toils and he toils under the sun and he gains nothing but death in the end. And this is pitiful. This is pitiful and it is grieving and it should break our hearts. And yet, and yet we need to have a proper perspective on God's judgment. Yes. In our finiteness, we see the fact that people going to hell is a, horrifying thing and our minds cannot fathom it we cannot put it in a category and rightly contemplate what the fury of god is like when men will be cast into the lake of fire and tormented for all eternity we can't grasp that and yet god in his perfect and holy righteousness is going to be glorified with those who have been or those who've been um, uh, cut off from him. He, he, he will be glorified in that. And so as believers, we don't rejoice in the reality that people are going to be in hell, but we rejoice in the fact that God is glorified even in his wrath. 
we rejoice in God. And people might say, well, Edwin, how, how does that work in heaven when people that we loved or share the gospel with, how, how does that work in heaven? How are we going to rightly be able to enjoy God and, and worship him and praise him while maybe even some of our family members are are in heaven, or, excuse me, are, are in hell? Brothers and sisters, I don't know. I don't know. I don't. And yet I'll tell you this, we will not be meditating on um, the people that are in hell for eternity. We'll be meditating and we will be delighting in our great God for all eternity. So this morning, the gospel call is trust Christ. He is the wise one. He is the preacher that was rejected by his people. He was the preacher that was rejected by his own father at the cross as Jesus bore the sin of humanity on his body. More particularly, he bore the sin of his people, the elect, on his body. And he died for our sin. And so if you're watching and you don't know Christ, I plead with you to be reconciled with God. Don't spurn the words of the preacher. Don't spurn the words of the preacher in our text. Don't spurn the words of the preacher communicating this to you now, me. But more importantly, and moreover, don't spurn the words of the preacher in Christ. And don't spurn the words of the preacher by the way of the Holy Spirit, who is calling you to repentance right now, because it will be to your own detriment. So, my friends, that is this morning's Bible study or lecture or sermonette i don't know however you want to categorize it but that is the word for this morning again thank you for those who tuned in thank you for rocking with me i know that this is an early edition i cannot promise you that i will be doing this tomorrow morning i'm sorry i'd like to but i woke up this morning and i said and i feel good let's get it let's press record and so here we are all right y'all well Again, if you would like to support the ministry, all the information is below and anything is helpful and welcomed. Also, remember, this is a podcast that encourages Christians to look to Christ, live wisely and leave a legacy behind for generations to follow. You could also follow me on Twitter at Fan Into Flame E. Uh, you can also follow me on Instagram, Fan Into Flame E. Um, yeah. And again like the video, subscribe to the channel, share this video, and leave a comment below. I want to hear your thoughts. I want to hear your thoughts on the book of Ecclesiastes. All right. Well, until next time, grace and peace, y'all. Let's get it for his namesake.